Pastor DeMoss is just one of the millions of people who was impacted by Billy Graham. But unlike you or me, he spoke at Billy Graham's last crusade. Pastor DeMoss shares how he was honored to meet the Reverend in a tent before that last event and how America's pastor impacted his own life. The impact that Billy Graham had on my life has, has been extremely profound. Uh, you know, when I came to Christ from selling drugs on the street and turning my life around, uh, I had an instant passion to see everyone that I know uh, come to the knowledge and truth of who Jesus Christ was. And Billy Graham always talked about Christ everywhere he was quoted or no matter who he met, he just boldly declared Jesus. And then, you know, coming up in ministry, you would hear different pastors, you know, learn ways to avoid pitfalls in ministry, the things that Billy Graham implemented in his life. Like, um, I don't counsel women, and uh, I don't ride alone with women in, in a car, ever, you know. And, uh, and I learned that through Billy Graham's lifestyle, to avoid the, uh, the appearance of evil, to shun the appearance of evil. Billy Graham wouldn't even ride alone with a woman in his car unless it was his wife. And just learning some of these practical things in ministry, I know has helped me tremendously. I mean, one of the ways to examine Billy Graham's impact is, uh, and I've, I'm friends with people that have worked with him for years, is they would often say, if you're in a room of 100 people and you ask, did anyone here come to know Jesus through the evangelist Billy Graham? They said, if that's in the United States, a hand will go up. And I did that same test about a year ago. And uh, we had about 100 people in the room. And I said, who in this room came to know Jesus through Billy Graham or one of Billy Graham's crusades. And we had two or three hands go up in the air in secular New York City. So this just goes to show the impact that Billy Graham has had on people's lives in this country and around the world is no small thing. It is huge. It is powerful and worthy to be studied for years to come. That's awesome. That's just incredible. I thought I've heard somewhere that uh, you spoke at Billy Graham's Last Crusade, and if that's true, what was that like? I had the privilege of sharing the gospel and my testimony at Billy Graham's Last Crusade. Uh, that was one of the hugest honors of my life. And, you know, going there, standing before 90,000 people with uh, Billy Graham listening in and him giving me five minutes to tell my life story and to see people respond with tears and with arms stretched wide of sharing how the prayers of my mother stopped the bullets from coming out of a gun into my head. And, uh, I mean, it, it was something that I, I can never forget for the rest of my life. And to work with him, you know, on pulling together this event in New York City in Flusher Meadows Park where we had 90,000 people every night and in some nights even an overflow. And when you were in Billy Graham's presence, 
you just felt like, I mean, you knew you were in the presence of greatness. Even though he was older and he, he couldn't move around and, and be as, as wild as he used to be on the stage, I mean, when you watched him in his Youth for Christ days, he'd swing his arm and throw his hair back and stretch out, you know, his body and, and just be so animated. Yet and still, his words were anointed by God. And after he would tell his stories and invite people to Jesus, honestly, you're sitting there like, okay, what's going to happen now? I mean, did he pull it off? Did he reach these people? And when you start to see thousands and thousands of people pressing forward to the stage, I mean, eight or 9,000 people at the altar accepting Christ for the first time, you know that this man was tapped in a power greater than himself, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit and his laser focus on telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eight and 9,000, that's just, that's mind-boggling, really. Isn't it? It's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, I, I mean, in his old days, it was easy to watch Billy Graham, and you could probably say, okay, this guy has just excitement and passion in this raw faith for Christ. But he ministered here in New York in, like, his 80s, and he ministered without the, 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 the passion or the, energetic, or the energetic body to be able to express all that he was feeling. I mean, he sat there. He told the gospel message. He looked down at notes. He repeated some concrete truths. And to see eight or 9,000 people gathered rushing forward from all over this huge park, uh, it, it, it just completely blew me away. It was like, this guy is tapped in to Jesus. I mean, the God from heaven is honoring the words coming out of his mouth. And that, that's, so, that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of, the things that, that, um, one of the things that's often told about Billy Graham is when you walk around his house, there are Bibles open everywhere. In the, in the kitchen, in the living room, by one chair, by another chair, by his bedroom. I mean, everywhere you look, there's Bibles and Bibles and Bibles. This was a man who relied on the Word of God. And it would do us ministers and this next generation coming behind him to rely on the Word of God. And that's why over and over again, Billy Graham would say, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, because he would spend time not running around all over the place, but he would spend time quiet in his little home in North Carolina, reading the Word, reading about Jesus, of whom he's with right now, over and over again. So simple, yet was something so powerful at the same time. Yeah. Can I tell you one of my favorite Billy Graham stories? Please do. One of my favorite Billy Graham stories is I'm friends with uh, Tom Phillips, who's the president of the Billy Graham Library. And Tom shared this very uh, personal story with me. And, uh, and it's worthy and it's okay to tell this story. He said he went to Billy Graham and he said to Billy Graham, uh, not too long ago, maybe about two or three years ago, 
He said, what is your vision for the library? And all Billy Graham heard from Tom was, what is your vision? And Billy Graham reached up his arm and said, Tom, my vision is the Lord. He said, my vision is the Lord. Like, in other words, he was saying to Tom, you don't get it by now. I must be together for 40 years. You don't get it. My vision is the Lord. And that's an excellent lesson for many of us who like to lay out strategy and we feel like we have to have this elaborate vision and business plan written out when Billy Graham's simple vision was to fulfill the mission for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And I just pray that if you're listening to this, that maybe this will encourage you that as the church, we really all have one mission, and that mission is from the Lord. I served on uh, Billy Graham's youth committee. I chaired his youth committee, and we actually broke records with him. Uh, We hosted an event with Billy Graham for youth pastors, and it was the largest in the history of all of his gatherings, uh, which was in New York City. And it was such an honor to uh, serve him in this kind of way because the thing I loved about Dr. Graham is he always looked for ways to reach the next generation. He, he never stopped that passion, even though he separated, him, he separated himself from Youth for Christ, but he always had a heart. He always was trying to figure out how can we reach young people? What artists do we need to bring? What do we need to do? What will it take to get them there? When so many leaders sometimes fall into, you know, I'm reaching this particular group of people and this is good enough for me, but no, uh, Mr. Graham always, in all of his crusades, made sure that he had a youth night. And that night, the music was going to be different. The message was going to be the same. But the, the tools to get young people there were going to be dynamic, creative, and innovative. And I think that's why generation after generation have, had, have been reached and impacted by Dr. Graham. That's awesome. What was he like behind the scenes of everything, being on stage and that sort of thing? What was he like behind the scenes? He was very gracious. He was kind. He was very uh, statesmanlike in the sense that uh, he, he didn't have this ease that you would think like he just wants to be around a lot of people. You could see his mind was very focused on God what he wanted to say to people. Um, He would remind us all over and over again that it's prayer, that it's prayer. You know, the best thing you can do for your ministry is pray. The best thing you can do to advance your, your, your call or your mission is to pray. I mean, he was a guy who believed in prayer. And most of the mountains that were moved was not that, 
His team was extremely uh, incredible on the ground and persuasion and all this stuff. No, I mean, they were ordinary guys who had a deep loyalty to serving uh, Billy Graham. I mean, many of them, when you talk to the team, it, it was almost the equivalent of like an army, you know, because his ministry started really after World War II at its highest height. So, so many of the guys around him, they kept that army attitude, like, I'll move to whatever city you want. Tell me where to go. We'll move. We'll go there. We'll get it done. And, I mean, I, w- I just wish the body of Christ would still carry that zeal and passion today. But in the midst of all of that, they knew the power was coming from this leader that wasn't running around but was praying about whatever city that they were going to go into and for the doors to be open, for the resources to come through, for God to make special encounters. And those encounters would take place over and over again. I mean, the queen of, of, of England, you know, decided, I want to meet him while he's here in London. Can, you, can he come over? And, and will he speak, you know, at, at Westminster and, and all these kind of things? I mean, these amazing things over and over again surrounded the life of this humble man who was in North Carolina praying down heaven. And that is such a lesson for us all to follow after Billy Graham, that we need to have our homes be a place of prayer with great expectancy for that prayers to be answered. There's just so many amazing and almost unbelievable stories of Billy Graham. But if there was only one thing, one thing, what's the one thing you remember most about him? The one thing I remember most about Billy Graham was his humility. Uh, most people don't know this, but uh, he's going to be buried in a wooden coffin. Uh, the same place the coffins made for him was made for his mother. And he chose that the coffin would be made by lifers in prison and Angola prison in Louisiana. I mean, to have your coffin, this is Billy Graham. He could have a gold coffin. He could have, you know, the finest coffin that you could find. But he wanted to be made by wood, by the carvings of inmates in jail, that he can still continue to have that legacy of not only did I hit the rich and the powerful, but I also hit those that people forgot about, the inmates in jail. I mean, ahead of his time, he would, he would fight for African-Americans, you know, to be able to come to his crusades when people would fight against that and wouldn't want to allow African-Americans to be in the same building, hearing the same message as, as white people. Billy Graham said, no, I'm going to take a stand and I want to make sections and areas be available so that any person from any people group could come and hear the gospel. I mean, that took such courage in the 50s and 60s to, to pull that off. And I'm so happy and so honored to have whatever little role I could have in looking at the awesome legacy of this great man of God, Billy Graham. Mm, that's so well said. And we've done a lot of social media posts, just calls to our station. 
while people are happy he's in heaven, a lot of people are already missing him in his presence. So what would you say to our listeners about Billy Graham that kind of comfort them a little bit? I would say one of the most important things about Billy Graham's life is also his exit. Billy Graham is walking away from this physical body here on earth to be with the God that he has longed to be with his entire life. And without a shadow of a doubt, we all know in our hearts that Jesus is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Billy Graham served God tirelessly. He never bend uh, uh, at all when it came to honoring God's word. He represented Jesus to the best of his ability. He ministered to almost every president in, in, in his lifetime from, you know, his 20s on. And he's had such an impact on the world where people would gather in the hundreds of thousands to hear this man's message. And I think the best thing that we can do to even help our struggle with knowing that this iconic figure is now gone is to carry the message on and that we would share the love of Jesus with all people without big judgment, but calling people to the greatest life that they could live. And that's as a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much. That's all the questions I have. I I love to share this story. Perfect. Go ahead. I remember when I first met Dr. Graham, I was walked uh, into a tent before he was about to preach. And when I walked into that tent, I mean, you felt the presence of holiness before even get there. I mean, integrity just poured out from his eyes. His love for people poured out from his being. I mean, it's, you knew that you were in the presence of greatness. And even though you're in this incredible presence of greatness, you saw this deep humility and dependency on God. And it's one of those things I've probably felt that feeling maybe once or twice in my life of being around people. But with Billy Graham, you knew, you knew this guy was plugged into heaven. And what I love is that God is no respecter of persons. So it just inspired me to go deeper into Christ. And I hope this inspires you that there are depths in the level that we can go into Jesus Christ that many of us have never dared to tap. But Billy Graham challenges us all through his life example to live for Christ, to serve for Christ, and when that day comes, when we go before our Lord and Savior, we'll go with a smile on our face. He went to rest with God from his sleep. And what a beautiful story that is. That's awesome. Okay. I want to tell you. Yeah, please. I want to tell you one last story. I want to tell you a story about Billy Graham in New York City. My friend, Jack Crabtree, had the honor of cheering the Billy Graham crusade in Long Island, New York. And he said he was so excited to finally meet Billy Graham. 
And while they were sitting together on the stage, uh, right before Billy Graham was about to speak, Billy Graham said to Jack, I just got my nails done. And Jack was like, oh, no. Is this going to be, you know, this kind of guy that just cares about these superficial things? And Billy Graham began to tell Jack, he said, my team said through all my travel, it's important that I, that I get my nails trimmed. And he said, they took me somewhere. And while I was getting my nails done, I began to share the love of Jesus with this woman who was doing my nails. He said, that woman is on the third row right now who came from my personal invitation, and she's about to hear the gospel. And I remember how that story was so deep and profound to remind us everywhere we go, we need to share the love of Jesus and to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful. Amen. You just don't think of doing something a lot of people do regularly, and that was an opportunity he saw that I don't know if many people recognize, really. Mm. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, like I said, Is I it possible a... to just say a prayer for the Graham family? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, let's do that. Caleb listeners, I'd love for you to join me in prayer for Billy Graham's family. Father God, I just pray that you would give great joy to the Graham family. I pray, God, that you would show up and that you would supernaturally pour out your blessing upon them for all the sacrifices that they have given up out of their daily lives to allow Dr. Graham to preach the gospel all around the world. And I pray, Lord, in a way that only you can, that you will allow them to mourn when they need to mourn, that you'll give them rest when they need rest, and that you will give them great encouragement and healing for their soul. So we just pray this in the name of Jesus, and we pray your blessings over the entire Graham family. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.